Hey, if you're enjoying this show, uh, consider supporting us on our Patreon. You can get cool perks like access to these episodes a week before they go public, and you can pick an album for us to review. Any support is greatly appreciated, so if you feel inclined, go to patreon.com slash polyphonicpress. This is Polyphonic Press, the podcast where two music fans pick a classic album completely at random and analyse it track by track. Using the patented random album generator, they are given an album to review from a curated list of over 1,000 classic releases spanning multiple genres. And now onto the show. Here are your hosts, Jeremy Boyd and John Van Dyke. Hi, welcome to Polyphonic Press. I'm Jeremy Boyd. I'm John Van Dyke. And uh, let's not waste any time. And uh, we have the random album generator right in front of us. So we're going to hit the button and see what album we're going to be listening to this week. And the album we're going to be listening to is Eric Clapton, 461 Ocean Boulevard. Oh, okay. So let's see what all music.com has to say. This is a review by Stephen... Thomas Earlwine says 461 Ocean Boulevard is Eric Clapton's second studio album arriving after his side project of Derek and the Dominoes and a long struggle with heroin addiction. Although there are some new reggae influences, the the album doesn't sound at all that different from the rock, pop, blues, country, and R&B amalgam of Eric Clapton. However, 461 Ocean Boulevard is a tighter, more focused outing that enables Clapton to stretch out instrumental. Furthermore, the pop concessions on the album, the sleek production, the concise running times, don't retract from the rootsy origins of the material. Whether it's Johnny Otis's Willie and the Hand Jive, the traditional blues Motherless Children, Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff, or Clapton's emotional original Let It Grow, with its relaxed, friendly atmosphere and strong blues roots 461 ocean boulevard set the template for clapton's 70s albums though he tried hard to make an album exactly like it he never quite managed to replicate its charms interesting Mm. i'm actually i'm not that familiar with eric clapton's solo stuff i mean i know that said the hits on the radio like you know, I shot the sheriff, which was originally a Bob Marley tune, or Cocaine, which is a J.J. Kale song. But I'm not that familiar with his solo stuff. Obviously, I know Cream and Derek and the Dominoes and all that. But how familiar are you with his solo? We've had the albums, a uh, few albums, kicking around at times. I don't know if we had this one, but yeah, there's enough stuff on here that I know I recognize. Yeah, I, I don't think anything's going to really surprise me on here, but I'm, I'm guessing there's probably still a bunch of stuff on here that has not passed my ears yet. So Okay, so the album starts off with the song uh, Motherless Children, so here we go. Okay, that was a pretty lively track to open up the album. Yeah, I think I'm most familiar with like Big Sugar's version of that, which is like, quite a bit slower it's uh noisier <laughs> noise yeah i don't really have anything bad to say about it the only criticism i would have is i wish the vocals were mixed a little better I, I, and i think maybe it's because 
early on in his solo career, he was not quite comfortable with his voice yet because he hadn't really sung very much. No, there was like the odd song here and there that he had sung before that. And then I think the most you would hear his voice was on Derek and the Dominoes. And he was singing along with Bobby Whitlock. I did notice it's double tracked. So, and I think that's a pretty key component of this particular album. If I really think hard enough without actually first hearing it, but I'm thinking most of the tracks on this one, he's kind of double tracked. Yeah, I mean, that's a good technique if you want to sort of enhance your voice is to double track it because it makes it sound, um, it gives it like a chorus effect when you do that. You can kind of mask any sort of errors in your voice. But anyway, uh, the the next song is called uh, Gimme Strength. That was short. I have some thoughts about his vocals again. He like he's a good singer. I'm not saying he's not a good singer, but he I just just doesn't sound again like it he just doesn't have the confidence to sort of push and to project. I think I read somewhere that yeah, it took him a while to become com- comfortable with his voice. The production itself was pretty sparse as well. It was just an acoustic guitar, bass, drums and an organ. That's all you really need with that. All right, so moving on, I think I'm I'm pretty familiar with this song. Anyway, uh, the song is called Willie and the Hand Jive. Cool, I actually really like that. I wasn't sure at first, because I'm familiar with the original, but uh, that was actually, it kind of grew on me, and it, it sort of has like a feeling of, you know, sitting on a beach with a drink and just kind of you know, watching the water. It's interesting how you can take the, uh, that Bo Diddley beat, which has got a lot of tension built into it and still make it laid back. It's, it's really hard to find that fine line to, to make that balance. It's, it's kind of cool how they did that. And, you know, it helps. I was just reading this, this album was recorded in Miami. So that's, you know, why it has probably has that laid back feeling. He was probably spending a lot of time on the beach. But anyway, moving on to the next one. The next one is called uh, Get Ready. That was cool. That was probably my favorite so far. Um, interesting. It, it didn't catch me the same way as, as a few of the other ones did. I, I thought it was a little bit too repetitive. It needed something to break it up. But I kind of get where they're trying to get that mood going. And they don't want to break that mood. And I kind of get that. That's what I like about it. It's kind of like a trance. And I like the trade-off between the Eric Clapton and the woman who's singing. I think her name is Yvonne Elliman. And she co-wrote the song with him. I sort of have the vision of sort of nighttime New York City driving sort of vision. That's kind of the the feeling that I get from it. Anyway, so the uh, the next song is probably one of the bigger hits that Eric Clapton had, and it's a cover of Bob Marley and the Wailers' I Shot the Sheriff. You know, wh- when I was a kid, I always thought he was singing I Shot Sherry. <laughs> I thought, I don't know what this Sherry woman did to deserve to get shot, but she must have done something really bad. (laughs) 
And it's hard. I like. I don't know which one I like better. I don't know if I like the Bob Marley version or this one. Yeah, they got sort of like their their own approaches. I mean, they're both got that reggae thing going. There's a lot going on, but it's not too busy. No, it's not. It it's uh, it moves along like a well oiled machine. The Bob Marley one. It's a little bit uh, sparser. I think this was recorded before Bob Marley was really well known, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this is one of the things that sort of helped push his popularity and um but he kind of did the same thing for jj kale with cocaine so i know uh when he when, i know uh for a fact that jj kale as soon as he heard his air clapton covering cocaine he went out and bought a new chevy that's what he did because he knew this is like wow this is going to be good for me like he didn't he just heard the song and went out and bought a chevy because he knew the money was coming anyway that uh that concludes uh the first side of the album uh, so moving on to side two, uh, the next song is called uh, I Can't Hold Out. That was a cool song. Uh, some really good slide playing in that. You don't really think of uh, Clapton as, uh, as a slide player, but he's, you know, pretty good. Yeah, it's not something he was primarily known for. I'd like to hear him do it a little bit more often. Yeah, I think he got a lot of that lesson from Dwayne Allman. Was Derek and the Dominoes, was that intended to go on if Dwayne Allman hadn't died? I have no idea. Obviously, it turned out to be like just a sort of like a one-off project. Kind of like Blind Faith was also a one-off project. I don't know if that was supposed to go on either. Both albums are good enough. You get a sense that both projects probably could have gone on. Both bands are made up of musicians who had all sorts of other things to do. Yeah, well, they're, you know, super groups. Yes, exactly. They're super groups. And that's the problem with a lot of super groups is that you think, oh, this is a great, great band and you're not wrong. But when's the next time you're going to hear them? Because getting them all together at the same time. Yeah, I can imagine. It's hard enough keeping a regular band together, keeping a bunch of people who already have, you know, schedules. <laughs> it's impossible. But anyway, moving on to the next one. Uh, the next song is called uh, Please Be With Me. That was good. A nice sort of ballad. The slide and the other acoustic guitar were sort of trading off lead guitar lines. Lots of presence in the guitar, too. It feels like that's the thing that's right up next to your ear. Uh, yeah, I, I like that that's really all you hear. I mean, there was a drum in there, and I think there was a bass. But I like that it was mainly just the acoustic guitars and the vocals. I mean, that's all all you really need. Um, so the next one is called Let It Grow. I don't know if I really care for that song, to be honest. It, it has elements that kind of see where they're trying to go with it. In places a little bit more punch. I kind of like where some of the, uh, the musical writing was kind of going. But yeah, the song seems to be a little on the lackluster side. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like 70s pop. And the lyrics are a little bit cheesy. Love is lovely, so let it grow. Yeah, that was the other thing. But I was also kind of liking, like the way the song was sort of ending on that reminded me of like, uh, you know, like a, a John Lennon Beatles piece or something like that. The way it was kind of going off. And I, I like to I like hearing stuff like that. I would like to hear it more often nowadays. But Yeah, that part was cool. I do have to say. With his, uh, well, one of his Gibsons being played through a Leslie, which is a really cool sound. I wonder if I'd like it more as an instrumental. I think it'd be a pretty good instrumental. Anyway, we've got uh, two songs left, and this next one 
uh, it was actually an old Robert Johnson song, uh, and it's called Steady Rollin' Man. Cool. I think that might be my favorite so far. One of Eric Clapton's, the things he's best at is finding older songs and rejuvenating them and giving them more, more life. Like, and especially Robert Johnson. I know he's a huge Robert Johnson fan. Rightfully so. Crossroads, one of the first instances of it being covered was that Cream version. And of course, it's been covered numerous times after that, and a lot of them are trying to sound like Cream. That uh, in itself is fascinating. The, you know, young guys in England who are listening to this stuff, and then co- bringing it back over to America and influencing American musicians. Which is weird. It's almost like the antithesis of, of like, he's coming over to the United States and saying, you guys... You guys, you guys really shouldn't be. You, you should be paying closer attention to what's going on in your backyard because look at listen to all this. Anyway, we have arrived at the final song on the album. So the uh, session guitar player George Terry wrote this song, which is interesting. You know, he's session players that he's using. He's also writing with them. But uh, anyway, here is the uh, final song on the album. It's called uh, Mainline Florida. That was cool. It took me, oh, I just, it took me until the end to realize that that was a talk box that he was using on the guitar. I, when I first started, I thought that sounds like a, tr- I know it's a guitar, but it sounds like a trumpet with a mute on it, but it's a talk box. It took me until the end and it's like, oh, it's a talk box. Oh, okay. And you also notice that the leads in that was not, that's not Eric Clapton playing. That's the. Yeah, no, it sounds very different. But the rhythm is very definitely Eric Clapton's guitar. I mean, he's got that tone, which I've always loved that tone. Yes, I would borrow that tone in a heartbeat. <laughs> For me, this album is all right. It's It has a few weak spots, but overall, it's it's not bad. Overall, it's fairly strong. It's it's. I can definitely see why this this is the one album he's had, had a little bit of trouble trying to live, live up to. And maybe it's just partly because of where it came from from in his i mean he's this you know legendary guitarist from the from legendary bands in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that and when those guys go and have their solo albums a little later than that it's hard for them to kind of sometimes be of their period and they sometimes sound a little bit contrived when it comes along a little bit later because they're trying to fit in with this and it's usually it's got more to do with the record company what they want them to do too and and the way it's being produced and yada 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 but uh i almost wish if they were just left to their own devices and and even if the album came out sounding like it was written and you know produced in 1972 but was released in like 1989 i don't see why that should be a problem but but that's not what we get instead we get a guitarist who's most at home in 1972 producing an album in like 1989 and it sounds like they sound they sound bored yeah it sounds they sound a little bit uncomfortable like they're out out of their element yeah exactly and yet there's stuff being produced at that same time which is just fresh and good and everything but uh they they seem to belong in their period so i don't know how to remedy that situation but this this album seems to have come at just the right point um it's it's 
you know, it's only the second of his solo albums, and it's like 1974. He's still within his element. Uh, and, I mean, on this album, you can hear the uh, sort of excitement that he has towards his new life being free from, you know, drug addiction. You can sort of hear the the optimism in this album. That's also a nice sort of thing. Sometimes I wish he had a little bit more confidence and, and would push his vo- voice a little bit more, because there's definitely points where I can definitely hear that. Um, and there's like also a couple of songs where he sounds like he's trying out a different voice. Kind of like what Bob Dylan was doing at around the same time. He's just trying to sing a little bit differently because, you know, well, for Bob Dylan, his voice was changing and he didn't know exactly how he was going to, you know, go on. Eventually he would just sort of accept his voice for what it was. But uh, yeah, Eric, and Eric, he doesn't have a bad voice. He's actually got a fairly good voice. It's just he didn't have the confidence in it yet. And it's not, it wasn't a voice that people used to hear all the time until people did. But he had to get the confidence to get people to hear the voice. And now people are very familiar with his voice. Yeah, because up until this point, or I mean, his up until his first solo album, he was the guitar player. He wasn't the singer. And if he was singing, it, like you said, it was with someone else. Uh, Yeah, actually, I was going to mention um, the song... Uh, I can't hold out. I'm familiar with that song. That's not an original. I just can't remember who the heck I heard sing it. I know it sounded quite different than this version. Um, Eric Clapton sings it much different. Originally by Willie Dixon. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. So I guess we'll uh, we'll end the show there. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, uh, you can check us out on polyphonicpress.com. You can visit the contact page and drop us a line there. If you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash polyphonicpress. And that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm Jeremy Boyd. And I'm John Van Dyke. Take it easy. Thank you.